This is Mackenzie Milton. This is Steve Levy from ESPN, and you're listening to One Night Stand. One Night Stand. Sem condição sabe ter passeio. Just one night stand. This is one night stand. Presented by First Watch, the official breakfast and lunch sponsor of One Night Stand. What up, Night Nation? On today's show, we recap the incredible last minute comeback victory over number 20, Cincinnati. Go over the whole quarterback situation. A little homecoming recap for you. We're going to preview the upcoming game versus Memphis a little bit. Uh, talk a little rankings action. And as always, Money Moves picks, Moves mailbag. And speaking of, I'm here with... Money Moo, UCF, look to bounce back from an embarrassing loss on the road and welcome fellow Big 12 newcomer Cincinnati back to the bounce house for some sweet revenge. The Knights scored first as R.J. Harvey maneuvered his way to the end zone from 26 yards out for the first watch, first score. Congratulations to Randy at UCF grad 00 for having the closest guess. You have won a $25 gift card to first watch. R.J. Harvey spun his way into the end zone for the game-winning score, and the Knights came away victorious. UCF 25, Cincy 21. What an incredible game. So much to talk about. Um, yeah, I don't even know where to start. You know, it's our first victory over Cincinnati since the college game day in 2018. It's only the eighth win over a ranked opponent in UCF history. Third time we've been unranked and beat a ranked team. It's just an incredible game. Um, complete game. We could have won this game by a lot more if not for the two turnovers in the red zone, but unfortunately that's part of football. Like you've been saying all year, we've been losing the turnover battle. But, you know, we give, uh, we're, we're driving down to possibly go up uh, by two scores. Bowser fumbles, Cincinnati marches down and scores, and then we exchange possessions, and then Mikey leads us on an incredible drive down the field, capped off by, you know, the double spin move, R.J. Harvey touchdown, and then the defense just locks him down to end the game. Absolutely incredible. The crowd was electric. Um, how did it look on TV? What were, what were your kind of thoughts watching it at home? Uh, it looked amazing. First off, I want to say, I think this is one of the first, it has to be the first UCF game ever to be broadcast in 4K. ESPN does a really good job with their 4K broadcast, a complete 180 from their ESPN Plus like analog <laughs> broadcast. Um, it was kind of cool. So the 4K uh, broadcast has no commercials. So when they cut to commercial, it's just like a wide stadium view, and they put the stadium sound on. Yeah, so it was really cool because, like, you could hear Jeff Sharon, like, uh, and the other – who's the other MC guy? John Evans. Does, like, yeah, the little uh, contest and stuff during that. You could hear all that. You could even hear, like, the flat – there was, like, a flag, like, whipping against the flagpole. Must have been windy. I don't know. Yeah, so it makes anyway, it, it makes it, it feel cool. like you're there. Yeah, um, and no commercials, which is really nice. So anyway, back to the game. Uh, it, it it was incredible. 
I, I just got to say hats off to the defense. You know, this Cincinnati offense is obviously a, a good offense because they were, you know, a top 25 team. But I kind of said last week that they weren't really flashy. This is not the Cincinnati of years past. And we clearly saw that. Um, like I said, without those couple turnovers, this should have been a two, three scored game. Defense played locked down almost the entire game. Um, still somehow did not have a takeaway. Um, second time, <laughs> second week in a row. Uh, UCF actually minus six in turnovers in their last two games. We're due. One of the worst teams in the country um, in this statistic. But we finished the last six years in a row in the plus column for turnovers. So that could be saying something as to what could be on our side. Um, you know, a little reversion to the mean uh, for the rest of the year. But, you know, as far as the offense, I thought that, you know, obviously the, the big elephant in the room is, is John Rice Plumley and um, the quarterback controversy with him. Mikey Keene now, uh, who led us to the victory, you know, we hope that John Rice gets well soon. He obviously got hit pretty hard, and then seeing him kind of stumble after was scary. Makes you pre- makes you pretty scared um, for him, especially like a couple of weeks ago, you know, with the whole Tua Tagovailoa thing. And um, I have a feeling that. My take on the thing is I have a feeling that they're going to keep him out of the Memphis game and Mikey's going to start. And they're kind of just going to use that as a, hey, we're looking after his health, which I 100% believe, but it was a very convenient thing to happen. Maybe I don't want to say convenient. It, it was it's, – it's a good cover to kind of say, like, hey, we're, we're checking on his health. You know, and actually, we want Keen to kind of see what he can do in Memphis. He's playing for the he's playing for the job. This, this I I agree. I think it. Look, the injury. I don't. You're right. I don't know if it convenience not the word, but it works out. I don't want to say perfect. It it whatever. It's all going to sort itself out because there's no way he comes back from from that kind of concussion and clears it in time. So it's Mikey's job to lose, in my opinion, at this point. Now, anything can happen, but, I mean, based off what Wasn't that how it was at the beginning of the year, too? I don't know. If he plays well against Memphis, I don't think you can put JRP back in. I mean, JRP has shown... Unless you're a stubborn old man. No, Gus is young and hip, dude. But, look, JRP's... He's shown why he can be great, but he's also shown when, like, he just can't do anything. Um, now maybe the ECU game, you know, there was a whole sign stealing thing. Maybe that had something to do with it, but there were still other games when he was shaky. Although I guess if you take out ECU, he, he was on a pretty good stretch. Well, no, I guess it was just a game and a half of playing well. And look, we were up 10, nothing and he was doing all right. Um, but Mikey, you know, Mikey came in, stepped in and you got to remember, he hasn't been getting reps with the ones really that much all season. A lot of these guys are new targets for him, you know, the receivers and, he played awesome, and he made some big-time throws on that last drive, and uh, he was just cool and collected, and, man, you know, that's just what he does. Mikey wins games. He's just a winner. 
He was a winner in high, in high school. I think he won one or two state championships, was undefeated his senior year. He came in out of nowhere, won nine games for us last year, and he came in here, called on the spot, and stepped in like, you know, like it's always been his job and played amazing. And, uh, you know, no matter what happens for the rest of the season and the rest of his career, he's always going to be a legend at UCF for, I mean, two of the biggest wins in program history, you know, in my opinion. Yeah, and that to me just it, – it tells you what kind of kid Mikey is. It's to not have played a snap the whole year so far. I mean, this is game eight. We've seen Tommy and I think four maybe, three maybe games. Um and, and even a whole quarter of Tommy Castellanos and not a single snap from Keen. Look, Keen could have transferred. Keen could have done the Gary Bohannon thing and, like, trans or uh, not Gary Bohannon. Uh, Mc, Mc, Tommy. McLeod. Or, uh, McLeod. Timmy McLean. T- Timmy McLean. No, isn't for Tim, USF. Isn't Tim McLean the diehard? Oh, John McLean. All right. <laughs> Timmy McLean, anyway, I'm losing it today. Timmy McLean lost the starting job to Baylor transfer Gary Bohannon. Transferred, like, immediately the next day. Maybe even the same day. Keen could have done the same thing. Yeah, he, he could right? have. But he didn't. I mean, who does that nowadays? Like, yeah. stick, he stuck around. He knew that, you know... He had to have been confident in himself, or he had to have seen something or known, you know, like, to just stick it out. And Well, also, I mean, it's not, you know, I mean, injuries happen, and quarterbacks do get injured a lot. So I think he knew that there's a chance of him, you know, getting another chance to start or play. But the people who just lose their job and then transfer, I mean, those are quitters. Like, get out of here. Um, you know, at least stick the season out. It's not like you can hop on another roster right away anyway. Like, stick out the well, season. Well, he did. He hopped on our roster. Who? Timmy. He's not – I don't think he can play. Can he? Well, he did it before no, the season, No, but he though. still transferred to us. I know. All right, well, whatever. He came – but you get what I'm saying, though. Like, what's the point in, in leaving in the beginning of the season? Like, you're, Right. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure it's happened every single year since, like, 17 that – we've had a quarterback hurt and needed someone else to step in. I, I might be missing a, one season. Maybe 2019 Dylan was okay, but I I think pretty much every season, I mean, this it, it happens, even if it's just for a game or two. So, you know, he was ready when his number was called. Um, so, anyway, uh, JRP gets hurt. We were up 10-0 uh, early since he gets two field goals, 10-6 at the half. Then we've got... We had that play that was so close to being a touchdown that ended up being a safety. It just another man. The defense was just they were awesome. They were either I you know sacking the quarterback. I think they had four sacks, five tackles for loss, seven hurries. They were just getting after it, and um, you know really really kept us in the game because we didn't get much going until the fourth quarter, which is, you know, obviously when we needed to, but, um, and that's when Mikey really started to heat up. Yeah. Since he, uh, had it in the red zone a couple times, held him to field goals, UCF still number one in red zone defense, 
only giving up a touchdown on about 27% of those pretty horrible odds if you're going against UCF. So about a one in four shot inside the 20 that you're even going to score a touchdown. Locked down, Ben, but don't break. Very, very remarkable. Um, some other stuff from the defense. How about Josh Selisgar? I mean, he's a beast. It, maybe not showing up in the box score as much, but I think he's my front runner for like defensive MVP for us for the year. It just seems like he's in on every play and every big play, like game changing play too. I agree. Um, one of my favorites on the defense, and um, you know the line. I thought the line held pretty well since he. I think they only had like. 30-something rushing yards, like the rushing defenses, that used to gash us. How many games, like the last few years, has that just completely annihilated us? Some some no-name running back or whoever, you know? Yeah, and uh, oh, it, it, I, I agree. And usually, yeah, it, it's been a nice, refreshing change. Although, on the, on the flip side, it felt like since he had a lot of drops, or a lot of just bad passes to receivers that were open, which was kind of scary because I was like, crap, if they really want to turn it on here at the end, they might just be able to um, drive it right down. But instead, T. Will, I don't know what he did, just dialed up something awesome for all those plays. And since he was moving backwards, I mean, we almost scored a touchdown uh, off that fumble. So, um, yeah, D-, D was good. I mean, not many complaints. Like you said, the, the O-line was was pretty good too. Um Boomer almost had a first missed field goal because I think the first one was blocked, right? Even though it was called back on a penalty. Yeah. Yeah. And then he got it five yards closer. <laughs> the doink. And then I thought the guy hit. I thought the guy was offside again. Ended up not being, and then hits off the the goal post and into the. Uh, yeah, the rare the rare doink into the field in. goal. So he stays a perfect 10 of 10. There's only 12 kickers in the country that are still perfect on the year with a minimum of eight attempts. Surprisingly, one of them is the Memphis kicker. Uh-oh. 14 of 14. And this is very strange because Memphis notoriously they normally bad suck. with kicking. You know, last five, ten years. So definitely key to the game here on the upcoming week versus Memphis battle of the perfect kickers. Yeah. <laughs> um, do we what wanna... do you think about the running back situation for UCF stable of backs? We use a, a decent bit of them, but it seems like the last couple of weeks, RJ Harvey has become the, you know, the key guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We've got three really good backs. I still think Richardson should should get a couple more touchdowns. I don't know what it is about Bowser, but I think you need him to like just punish the other defense. Even though he's, you know, only getting three, four yards a carry. I feel like that's necessary um to get him a certain amount of touches. And then, you know, Bowser in in you know, within like ten yards or five yards, I mean, they, they just can't stop him. Uh, but I, I still think Richardson should get a couple more carries. But, yeah, I mean, this was like Harvey's really breakout game, you know. Um, just a couple nice runs. That one really nice uh, screen pass uh, play, too, I think, from JRP, which was like a third of his passing yards. Um, 
yeah, Harvey looks great. It's kind of like, I don't know, Darwinism, natural selection. Like, he's clearly the best running back. Nothing against the other two. And each game, he keeps getting more touches. Uh, deservedly so, you know? Yeah, and uh, I think, speaking of somebody else, at every game, he seems to be getting more touches. How about Kobe Hudson? You know, we started off the year, Javon Baker on a hot streak thinking like he was the number one receiver, but it seems like Kobe is just coming out of nowhere now back to, back to full health. And, you know, those third and long third and medium third and longs, it seemed like Keen made the same connection that JRP made with him in the previous two games. Yeah. It's great to see, you know, I feel like we've got three Really, really solid receivers that could all be considered like a wide receiver one with Hudson, O'Keefe, Baker. It reminds me kind of of like the, and I'm not comparing these guys. I'm just saying it reminds me when we had three solid receivers like uh, Trey Nixon, Marlon Williams, and Gabe Davis. And it, it didn't matter which direction the ball was being thrown. You knew it was it was going to someone that's a playmaker. That Every time they caught the ball, it was, you know, a chance at, at possibly breaking out for a touchdown. And uh, I, that's how I feel with, you know, these three guys, Hudson, O'Keefe, and Baker. So, feet to the fire. If Keen plays good and we beat Memphis, is Keen the starter for the rest of the year? Yeah, that's... That's what I said earlier. I mean, it's Keen's job to lose, in my opinion. If Keen plays well, you can't go back to JRP. It's nothing against him. It's just, I mean, if Keen, like, how could you not after what he did against Cincinnati and what you're saying, you know, hypothetically he, he could do against Memphis? I mean, you, you just kind of have to at this point. Uh, you know, JRP, he's kind of a liability with the way he runs. Like, who's to say he's not? I mean, he does not slide. He's always taking hits, and he's not the biggest dude. He's tough as hell, but he's always taking big hits every game. It's almost inevitable that he was going to get hurt. It's just it's a numbers thing. Like The more hits you take, the more chances of, a, of an injury that's going to knock you out. And I think if, if Mikey plays well, there's, just, there's no way that you can go back to JRP at that point in the season, heading over to uh, you know <clears throat> the most important game on the schedule now, which is going to be at Tulane. What do you think would happen, Moo? I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I really think Keen, it's Keen's job to lose. Now, you know, Keen did have, uh, you know, those two, the two big wins against Cincy and against UF. But with as with any other win or loss, it is a, a team effort. And, um you know, some the two losses that we had this year, I, I don't feel like you could put all on JRP. Um, and, you know, the two big wins are Keen. I, I don't think you can put all on Keen. It's a team sport. But what I'm trying to say is I think right now with the way our defense is playing and with our running game being at an elite level, I don't think we really need that high of a ceiling for our quarterback. You know, for the beginning of the year, I said that John Rice, uh, clearly I thought John Rice had a, a higher ceiling than Keem, but he also has, that we found out this year, he also has a much lower floor. I think Keen is that, like, steady Eddie. He's that gritty quarterback that, you know, he's not going to, scramble for 20 yards on a third and 20 or, you know, 
do some crazy magic plays, but like those the big time throws that he made were I think it was like a third and eleven, just a simple like little out route. But it had to be on the money. Mm-hmm. Right? There was no margin was. for error on a couple of those throws. They were right. and they were was. well well defended. So <clears throat> I think we could win out with Keen. I really do. But we don't need we we're really not in need of the flashiness of John Rice. Like Keen will suffice as long as the defense stays at the level it has been and as long as the running game stays at the level it has been. I agree. And I mean, we're due for like some turnovers are going our way too. Like we're 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 just due. It it's gotta happen one of these next couple games. So I, but I agree, man, with the ceiling and floor analogy, that, that paints a great picture. You're right. But, you know, not a terrible problem to have. This is a good problem. And, yeah, it's it just, um, yeah, like you said, it's it's Keen's job to lose. So, uh, yeah. All right, so now do you want to hear a funny story about me and the game? All right, funny game story, go. All right, so I was watching the game. This was... Let's see. This was before we scored, not RJ's last touchdown, but it was the drive, four minutes left in the fourth. You know, that big 13-play drive where Bowser scored the three-yard touchdown. So we got it to within the red zone, right? It was like five and change left, and I paused it. Had to pause it. Had to put, you know, my daughter to bed. I'm like, look, I'm just going to put my phone on silent. Mm-hmm. I put it in this other room, and it's just going to be me and the TV when I get back. So uh, 15, 20 minutes later, I hear this sound like coming from the living room. And I like, run in there. I'm like, it unpaused. How oh. did it unpause? <laughs> it's somehow, some way. There was no one else in my house. <laughs> Dude. God the ma- TV unpaused. God, God makes no mistake. And the guy is running down the sideline for the touchdown like i didn't know that we had gone up 18 13 <laughs> or they had gotten the ball back dude was running and all of a sudden we don't have the lead again and there was only three minutes left dude i was so mad great timing well hey at least you caught so good mad but you... i did see the end so um yeah it was kind of funny but i just don't understand when you hit pause nothing should unpause it will that but it's unless usually... you hit play it usually it will, but it's normally like thirty minutes later if there's like another show that starts. But yeah, I mean the end of that game was incredible because it was um, I think it was thirteen to twelve with midway or a little bit into the fourth quarter, and then we went we scored a touchdown, then they scored a touchdown, then we scored a touchdown. Uh, it got electric, man. The bounce house was super super loud, and it was an amazing game. It definitely you know one of the one of the better games I've, I've ever seen as a UCF fan, uh, you know, in person or on TV, I guess. Um, what'd you think of RG3's announcing? A lot of people were talking about him on social media. I really like RG3. Um, Mark Jones has done a ton of our games and he's always been like a UCF hater. I feel like, um, I'm pretty sure he did the Stanford game a couple years ago. And isn't he a Stanford alum? I don't remember specifically, but I do remember complaining about him on Twitter because he was, like, really dumping on us uh, a few years ago. 
But yeah, RG3 is definitely not like a classic style um, pl- uh, commentator, but he brings in the younger crowd. He has like some, you know, hipper analogies other than just like the X's and O's. Uh, and then him getting into spirit splashes actually a a lot of fun and and you know that's somebody that you know anytime he's calling one of our games the like that's a piece of that's a piece of you know his history and and something that he's gone through that he can take with him for the rest of his life because like no other campus has what we have you know what i mean like some other yeah it's super super unique yeah but it is very unique so in that sense i think he did a, a really good job and He's one of my favorites for for college football. But Matt Barry and uh, Lewis Riddick the other night, also good, yeah. For Temple, they were really good. So we've been get we've been getting you know not the not the B or C squad lately. So that's that's encouraging. What's when when you're not on like you know ESPN Ocho, then you're afforded that uh, that luxury. You know, <laughs> what'd you think of the uh, the new night mode jerseys? I thought they were really cool. Um, I don't like the like blacked out names on the black jersey. That's not really helping anybody. Um, but it, you know, it, it is what it is. Week in, week out, it's, it's a jersey. It was. Um, it's what we wore. Yeah, I don't know when they announced the night mode jerseys. Like I think they were just sketches. I don't remember seeing the names like that. It was confusing because. There was a point where I was like, wait, are we doing like George O'Leary no name plates? And then I kind of saw, um, you can kind of see, I, I don't know. They're, they're cool overall. I, I feel like the gold's just like one Pantone off, maybe. I, I don't know. But you know what? It's a new look. I like new looks. And uh, we played well in them, so that's all that really matters. You know what we got to come out with this week. The icy white. All white, everything. Oh, yeah. The Memphis tradition. I, I bet we do too. But usually Memphis comes out with like some kind of tiger stripe something. They always have some crazy I think they already blue did that. metallic uniform or something. Um, anyway, so coming up for the game for Memphis, do a little look ahead um, with the line, which actually came out right on the nose from my prediction UCF minus. Five. Again, if you want to see my look-ahead lines for every upcoming game, make sure to follow at UCF on Twitter. I do this every week and update what my projected lines are for the game. That way you can see how close they are uh, to the actual line. So first and foremost came out minus five. I thought it was right where it should be. And quickly quickly bet down to minus three and a half only so right now ucf minus three and a half against memphis memphis they live and die with their quarterback seth hannigan kids a stud uh he throws it all over the place and you know they've been behind in games so there's a lot of like uh catch up garbage time but you know for the most part the this is a team that knows how to score um they have nothing to lose. They're real. They don't really have a star player. It seems like they've spread it spread it around pretty evenly. They have three running backs that all have like 250 yards. They have four or five receivers that all have like two, three hundred yards. So 
there's no real like key guy that you have to stop, but their defense is like beyond hot garbage. They've only held opponents to under 32 points twice. One of them was Temple, which doesn't even count. The other one was Navy. Uh, sounds so, sounds like a prime matchup that might be like JRP um, favorable. He, he he thrives against really bad defenses. Yeah, incredibly bad defense. I think this is going to be a barn burner track meet. You know, but it's still going to be close. And again, if it comes down to a field goal. You got perfect kicker versus perfect kicker. We're not going to win this one on a missed field goal from from Memphis, unfortunately. But I think it's still going to be a very close game. My score prediction, 42-38. I think the the Knights take it, but, man, their their defense is pretty bad. Hmm. I th- yeah, we got to score at least 40. I'm looking at their points against. It's It's a lot. There's going to be at least like seven UCF touchdowns, probably more. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't think this game's uh, going to be that close. Uh, Memphis on a three-game losing losing streak. Yeah, they have nothing to lose, but I think at this point they also like have nothing to play for. I guess that means the same thing. I, I don't know. I just feel like they're deflated knowing that they're kind of out of everything. Um, Have you seen us play on the road? We're due. It's like you keep saying for turnovers every week. You're like, oh, we're negative in turnovers. So that means, oh, well, regression to the meme. <laughs> what happens? We still suck. I think maybe that's what happens. <laughs> Look, I could see it going either way, but maybe I'm just I'm just trying to stay a little positive here. And I think we're, I don't know, we could be due for a blowout. But you're right. Um, if history, you know, tells a tale, uh, it would point to us coming out flat and not playing that well but that's why they play the games i don't think i don't think we're looking ahead to tulane i really don't because not at all we know the history between us and this memphis team we get it like we've dominated them in the past uh you know even last year i feel like last year when seth hennigan was out they put that other guy in what was last year, like 14-10 or something it stupid? Was, yeah, it was awful. No, 24-7 last year. Oh. Keen, okay. a big 63 passing yards. <laughs> he was still finding his groove. It, look, I mean, Mikey was really... It was a season low, season low for him. I, that was a completely different team this that last year on both sides of the ball. I don't know. I mean, was it? We had Bowser. We the, had, we had the defense. Everyone. The, the, I mean, I don't Anna know. I was just, at home. The defense is playing better. Um, hey, we got a bunch of new receivers. I just feel like the offense has been clicking more. I don't know. Uh, and Mikey, Mikey's definitely improved. You know, clearly. I mean, you saw him last game, and that's without any meaningful reps this entire season. Just think, with him getting reps at the ones this week, how good how good we're gonna look. If that's what but, happens, you know, I, I said that you know, you know, Keen doesn't have to win us the game; he just has to make sure not lose us the game. Yeah. Hey, anything can happen. That's why we play the games. Um, kind of scary. We've only got, I think, four games left. We've got Memphis, Tulane, Navy, USF. 
This always happens every single year. It's like week one, and the next thing I know, it's like December. Time flies. Basically, time flies when you're having fun, I guess. Um, all right, you got anything else from this game, or you want to move into picks? Oh, did we talk rankings? Well, I guess there's not really much to talk about. We're 25th, Tulane's like 19, but the AP rankings, by the time you're listening to this, will be meaningless because the first college football playoff rankings are announced Tuesday at 7, so we don't have those yet because it's uh, 5 p.m. Tuesday, but they will be out by the time you're listening. Let's make some predictions. I predict that neither Tulane nor UCF will be ranked because we always seem to get let down um, compared to our AP ranking. Moo, what is your prediction? All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with an off-the-wall prediction, and I'm almost gonna guarantee that this is right. I think UCF will be ranked, and Tulane will be unranked, even though they're ahead six spots in the AP poll. Interesting. You know, just from just from looking at the power rankings, just from seeing like who beat who. You know, Tulane is one of the weakest one-loss teams in the country. Right now, their power ranked is 43. I mean, if you look on the opposite side, the strongest three-loss team is, like, the perennially overranked team in the college football playoff ranking is Mississippi State. I feel like every year, Mississippi State has three, four, sometimes even five losses, and they're still ranked ahead of one, two, three lost teams all day, but it's only on the power ranks. I'm telling you they they overplay SEC. They don't really look at wins and losses that much, which you kind of shouldn't. You should, you know, see who beat who and, you know, margin of victory is a big thing, but, um, no, they, yeah, you're, you're right. They almost, the wins and losses like don't matter, but because I remember, dude, we were getting passed when we were undefeated both seasons by three lost teams, and it was only like week nine, and we would get jumped by them after we won, and so yeah, you're right. They look way more into the strength of schedule and obviously like a lot of SEC bias, which is kind of strength of schedule, but and obviously you can make the argument that the SEC is, you know, the best conference. Yeah. Based off the playoff. And actually, I take that back. Liberty is actually the weakest AP-ranked team right now. 7-1, and one, but they're 68th in the power ranks. Who have they beat? But the AP riders are, oh, 7-1, and one, Liberty. Well, I guess we'll rank them. I mean, I don't know who this that was. Con- but. <laughs> um, that one guy who always used to hate on us. I don't know, Don, I can't remember. Breezy, Don Breezy or something. Um. But, you know, just this conversation here is exactly why we need an expanded playoff. Let them figure it out on the field. And also, they need, like, better – I don't know. The whole conference thing is – it's just all kind of messed up. It's going to have to end up being, like, two divisions. Like, you know, top 64, bottom. There's just not a fair way to do it. Um, Or else you're going to end up with, like, a Liberty-Alabama, like, first-round playoff game. Um which, you know, nothing against the small so, underdog. I mean, basketball, you end up with UNC Robert Morris first round. What yeah. happens? 99.9% of the time, UNC wins. But that point one, Robert Morris Yeah, wins, all right, dude. all right. That's a good point. That's like, Man, I think I've been brainwashed by the, uh, the talking heads. What am I saying? Yeah, give <laughs> us the dumb matchups. Because you know what? For all the dumb matchups, there's going to be upsets. They might not be like a one-versus-six team. 
David Goliath, but there'll be some fun upsets because that's football any given Sunday or Saturday in this case. Um, all right. I could ramble about rankings and playoffs all day. All right. Now it's time for our favorite segment, Money Moves Picks of the Week. Again, one and one last week, bringing my year total to seven and seven. Mediocre move. Big, big winner was UCF, now nine and one all time when picking them. Just simply incredible. Uh, literally everything I said last week became true. UCF, nobody gave us a shot against Cincinnati. I had them. I said, take. UCF minus one, or uh, UCF plus one. Some of you didn't get it till minus one, even minus one and a half. Ended up not mattering. Um, So that's two big wins with UCF, two bet-the-house wins I've gotten you this year. Yeah. But on the flip side, I've also been very wrong on a lot of my other picks. So the loss was Kentucky against Tennessee. Uh, plus 12 and a half thought it was enough points lost 44 to six Get out. Tennessee's legit they're I think they're gonna be number okay one. they are I think they're gonna be number they one. are legit they, they're only they're, they're the only top team that's actually beaten other good teams um, well, they got to play Georgia this week so I guess that'll sort it all out yeah um we'll see real quick but anyway well real quick back on the UCF um are you tweeting this like you're like when you pick UCF and your record because that would be huge. Like th- this needs to be documented. Not everyone listens, but you know, if it's out there yeah, on Twitter, true. oh, moo. All right. Well, I want them to listen to the show. Yeah, but I know, but dude, not everyone's I guess, like day of game. I should. Yeah. It- it's important to document that because that gives you credibility. And then they're like, oh, maybe I should listen to this money moo guy. All right. You gotta well, remember. The problem is I don't think important. it's going to happen the rest of the year. So. That's, that's okay. Next time it does, but you know, every <laughs> next time, year. Yeah, I mean, dude, eight and one when picking UCF is pretty. Eight and no, one picking anything, and one. nine, whatever. It, that record is huge, and obviously, you know, your overall I'd like to take that to the off season. Yeah, I'm just saying. Nice. You know, that's good PR for you, which is good PR for me. Anyway, all right. First pick, we're gonna go with. Clemson minus four against Notre Dame seems like a public pick taking Clemson you know them being ranked number five going against unranked Notre Dame but I can't trust Notre Dame never have never will Clemson looks shaky in the last couple of games but their defense I think is tough enough to get the W flip side of the ball Notre Dame quarterback play has been horrendous Drew Pine they lost to Marshall at home, so the home field advantage, not huge for Notre Dame. I think Clemson goes in, takes care of business. Maybe won't be a blowout, but I can see Clemson easily covering, uh, I don't know, 31-21, something like that. So Clemson, minus four. Yeah, Clemson's look good lately, like, you know, starting to get things together. You, you forget, I mean, they started off last year kind of on a skid, and then Ended up still with 10 wins. Um, but, yeah, they've looked good the last few weeks. I don't know if I'm going to trust your non-UCF picks, but uh, we'll, we'll monitor now. <laughs> um, and you said you have one more? Second pick. Now, we might have to just, like, delete all gambling forever if this loses. 
Um, <laughs> that's not how confident I am, but it's just wait. Is this no a, one's ever gonna live a, this a, mon- a money moon mortal lock? Oh, I know exactly what you're gonna say. <laughs> U.S.O.B. <laughs> We're gonna take the South Florida Bulls minus three and a half at Temple. Look, Temple, we saw has some talent somewhere on that team, but they just can't score. Dude, Temple averages like 13 points a game. They've only gone over 20 twice all year. Uh, but at least USF is scoring some points. You know, their defense is trash, but, you know, they're, they're scoring 20, 30, 40 a game. Uh, look, please do not watch this game. It, it's going to take years off your life. This is like the We Suck Bowl. Two just god-awful teams. So bad. But you have to take... There's not too many teams that are worse than Temple. USF is pretty close. Uh, I don't know, man. They're turning it around. You're three, Jeff Scott. Here's the other thing. You don't want USF to lose this game because that would be rock bottom. Like, you want USF to just be, like, pond scum, but not rock bottom. Because you know what happens when you hit rock bottom? The only way to go is up. Yeah. Right? That's us, 2015. Like, kind of flail around at the bottom for a little bit or a lot you know us going 0 and 15 was or 0 and 12 was rock bottom and look what happened it's the best thing that could ever happen so you know if we'd won one or two games that year we the whole the whole uh dude no we could have changed we do this i go through this and talk about it those of you been listening you've heard my spiel probably at least twice a season for the last five years you know, we win a couple games, we don't get Danny White, and then we don't get Scott Frost, and we don't get McKenzie, and you can figure it out from there. Literally, the entire future of our program has changed if we win two games that season. So, like you said, don't let USF hit rock bottom. Let them cover or, their three no, and a half. Not let them. I'm not, we're not like the gatekeeper of their success. We're not rooting for it. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's recap the picks real quick, and then we'll go to Moose Mailbag. Take Clemson minus four at Notre Dame, and take USF minus three and a half against Temple. Let's get that money. Last up, we've got Moose Mailbag, where we answer everyone's questions. Thank you, as always, for your submissions. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Let's pull up the list here. Ooh, just hit 18,100 followers, like the 18.1 on Twitter. Pretty exciting. Good job. All right, I'm going to go first. First question comes from Christian Schamber. If Keen starts the rest of the season and wins out, does he stay? And is he projected the starter next year if he does? Yeah, I mean, this goes along with what we talked about a little bit earlier in the show. Um, ooh, that's, uh, that's tough. <laughs> Poor Mikey. I mean, you know, you got to figure you give Tommy C a chance – but I don't, I don't know. That's Man, that's a great question, though. I guess it depends on how well he plays, you know? I mean, if he's balling out, then it's his job, not just, you know, 
his job and then there's an open competition in the spring. I, I don't know. It's tough because, you know, Tommy's Gus's handpicked guy, just like JRP was. But, you know, I, but I also, too, if he does like super well, his stock could be huge. And with NIL and everything, Tennessee could just be like, oh, hey, here's eight million dollars or whatever. Well, <laughs> probably not Tennessee because you know? they already have an eight million dollar quarterback. But, yeah, I get what you're saying. That's the one thing that's really going to suck in the future. Any like blue chip player that comes out of nowhere from like a smaller school is just going to get snatched up because of the free transfer. They're, they're going to get a bag thrown at them and that player is going to be gone and it's going to happen to us at some point and it's going to really suck, but it is what it is. You know, what can you do? Um, that's what happened to that. There was some wide receiver for Pitt. He got like 2 million bucks to go to USC last off season. And it's only going to keep happening more and more. Next question from UCF Jaguar. Shout out Dalton. Good to see you at uh, Tailgate this past weekend. He says, so it's a fill in the blank. Biggest AAC regular season victory since? And then you fill in the blank. Gosh, I I don't know. Uh, Maybe Memphis like three years ago, (laughs) four years ago. Which Memphis was that? Like 2018. I mean, I think 2019, like, we we haven't beat a ranked AAC team since then, so nothing's really been on the line as much as this game, you know, especially with, like, controlling our own destiny and everything. Yeah. No, you're right. It's got to be – no. No, it was uh, – that same season, it was the Cincinnati College Game Day game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah. no, you, I wouldn't have thought of Cincy if you didn't mention Memphis, but I think that's the only correct answer here. I don't even think this is like an opinion thing. Um, great question though. Next one is from Marquise one. Gus always gets criticized for not developing players, especially quarterbacks. Well, Gus developed Mikey at the college level and did a fine job. Why must Gus want to run such a haywire offensive quarterback when we all saw Mikey's a steady, accurate, and offensive smoother under his command? I think that he thought maybe, um, you know, Mikey had a ceiling and JRP could, you know, we've talked about this. JRP had a higher ceiling with his running capabilities. And if you've got a quarterback that fits your system and you think is going to be good, I think you roll with it. But. On the other hand, if you end up with a quarterback that doesn't necessarily fit your system, but he's playing really well, you change your system to him. And I think Mikey in the second half last game was a great example of that. So you know, we'll see what uh, we'll see what the offense looks like if he's uh, you know if he's playing quarterback this weekend against Memphis. I mean, this Memphis game is going to answer like half of the things that we've speculated about this entire show. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. Moo? I just asked that to you. I I was just seeing if you had something to add. Oh. No, I mean... <laughs> Jeez. Uh, sorry. I yeah. Got- it. I mean, you basically said it. It, it. it is what it is. But I also think, too, to a certain extent, like, everyone... On, on the internets uh overreacts to everything remember like at the end of the south carolina state game oh my god jrp heisman then east carolina oh my god where's mikey then temple right back to jrp heisman like i i said this was going to be a roller coaster and it is 
Um, but you know, it, I guess that's why we have this podcast to talk about it every week and it, it would be boring if we just, yeah. Oh yeah. Won again. Or, yeah. Oh, yeah those, lost again. Those undefeated seasons were real boring. <laughs> there's all <laughs> man with football. There's always something to talk about. It's just, it's such a complex game. There's so many positions. There's so much, the coaching is so important. It's just awesome. That's what makes it awesome. And, you know, the for every ECU game, there's a Cincinnati game that makes the ECU worth it, and then some. Next question from Thomas Sturman, the Sturminator. Odds we get JRP lining up as a wide receiver to Mikey Keene at quarterback. Maybe as like a trick play, one-off little Taysom Hill action, but Dude. as far as like all the time, no. I wouldn't mind that. The uh, this happens every time. What was that big guy, the big doofus guy that we used last year? He would always get minus two yards. That Joey Gatewood. Yeah, uh, I think he'd be a good Gatewood type, but I don't know. Again, we'll we'll see how Memphis goes, and you know if JRP's even cleared this week or next. <clears throat> All right. Next one from Golden Knight 2. Did Gus make the mistake of picking the wrong quarterback? JRP has zero quality wins, but Keen has arguably two. Keen also has shown that he can pass the ball, in all caps, effectively. So, there's no way to answer that question yet, but obviously this is an opinion show. I mean, it's still too early to tell, and it wouldn't that wouldn't be fair to anyone to speculate right now. You know, like you said, let's just not uh, let's not overreact. Let's see what happens versus Memphis. Um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty too. You know, we don't we didn't see what went on in all the fall practices. You know, we're just looking from the outside. Agreed. End, so. Agreed. Okay. Next one's from Dan Cundiff, the Dalmatian man. I wonder what the wide receiver crew thinks about one quarterback versus the other. My guess is they quietly wish Mikey Keene plays because they get more opportunity to contribute, more catchable passes, etc. I mean, this is hard. This is hard, too, because, uh, you know, I, I believe Keene is more accurate. Um, I, I don't think Keene is like that deep ball kind of guy, so I feel like the wide receiver's you know, have their shot at, you know, some yards after catch, the same as, as JRP. JRP was really only connecting with the deep ball against Temple. Yeah. You know? He, That's it. He, and they really didn't even try it too much, even in the beginning of this game. So, as far as that goes, yeah. I, does Keen have more catchable passes? Yes, but I, I think it's it's on the wide receivers and, their ability to create some yards after the catch. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a tough question to answer, but, you know, just based off of, you know, we've got enough of sample size of JRP this season to compare to Mikey's stats. I mean, Mikey, Mikey's way more accurate. That's not an opinion. That's fact. If does Do the receivers prefer one guy over the other? I mean, they wouldn't say it, but, you know, if one guy throws the ball better, then I think, you know, it's pretty obvious what the answer would be. Next one is from Joe Culotta. Can I be on the show? That's my question. I'm you on. are, Joe. Yeah. You're on right now. <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. Congrats. <laughs> thanks Thanks for your submission. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, man. Next one from Mind of Gus 1. This is a unique moment in Gus Malzahn's time here at UCF. In terms of building the program this weekend's game, keeps us in the hunt, keeps us nationally relevant, and takes a step in the direction he say he wants to build this program. It will gain traction with UCF fans and alums. What? <laughs> I, I, no, I did not read that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Y'all are messing with me on purpose. But I don't think that was a question. Do you see this one? Correct. Not really a question. But anyway, <laughs> I guess Gus Malzahn's legacy at UCF. Yes, it is a unique moment uh, in his time here at UCF. We are building the program, and I think this weekend keeps us in the hunt um, for being nationally relevant and being in the top 25. I pretty much just answered the question with your, what you said. So, yeah, that that was that was kind of a legacy. <laughs> that was a legacy game for Gus. That was a great point by him. All right. Honestly, I think these are all. Oh no, here we go. There was a lot of. Uh, interaction with the questions between comments yeah it's so getting, i like that it's so, nice yeah we're getting the conversation going usually we could just scroll right down and question 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 but I, I like it when people interact on the on the comments so here's one from nathan kingle it's great that we're going to a power five conference but would it have been better for ucf and for college football if we weren't denied entry into the big east texas and usf were the sparks that ignited all the conference realignment so he's, Good question there. Very interesting. Well, yeah, because wait, we got into the biggie. Oh, he means like before, like way before. Yeah, I mean that's that's tough because you know, maybe the Big East wouldn't have folded and there'd still be Power Six. You know, um, again, this is another domino type situation um, that we'll, we'll really never know because. You, you pull out one domino and none of the rest of them fall over and, or, you know, they fall over in different directions, I guess would be the analogy, but who knows, man, we can't change the past. And I'm just happy with how we're sitting now because, you know, if you, um, if you put us in the big East, then, you know, there's again, probably no frost, no Milton, you know, if we're in a new conference, odds are George might've gotten fired a year earlier or later. You know, the, the course of history has changed. But who knows? I, I'm sure we'd have some other awesome memories to talk about if that did happen. I'm just happy with where we're at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, everything happens for a reason, and who knows? It could have been all different. This one's from Dolly Drama. The Bearcat faithful traveled down in droves to Orlando, going now to a new conference where people actually care. Which Big 12 fan base are you most excited to host? Have a blessed week. You too, bud. Uh, I guess I'll say Texas to start it off because that was a great atmosphere. Um, you know, first game of first game of the bright in the bright house. Uh, and I really thought that, you know, they brought a ton of fans and Texas has fans all over the country. So, you know, it's, that should be one of the bigger ones. Um, or something like a West Virginia where they make it like, you know, a holiday trip, you know, like, Come on down to Disney, and then we'll hit up the UCF game after. <laughs> I feel like that's going to be for a lot of a lot of people too. So, you know, us having good turnouts for 
for visiting teams is it's good. It makes the atmosphere good. It's tough to pick. Um, the Oklahoma State fans, for some reason, I like. Well, actually, I know why. Because there's a OK State Probs account that's the same thing as me. They started as a Probs account, and now they just tweet about sports. So, like, we follow each other. And because of that, I've, like, kind of got into OK State Twitter. And they seem fun. But, you know, it's going to be like, I mean, yeah, honestly, I don't know. I think they're all going to be great fan bases because, like, there's not going to be the, the temples, like the dud schools that barely travel or care about their program. It, it, there's going to be a lot of tradition, a lot of passionate fans, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I, it's tough to pick one. Yeah, 100%. All right, last one from Andrew Franklin. How do you predict each of UCF, Cincy, Houston, BYU will fare next season in the new conference? Look, I think it's going to be a tough transition, but I think at least one of the teams, probably us, uh, is going to make a run at possibly being in the Big 12 title game. I like that prediction. Um, I I have I have no idea. I think we're going to be awesome, though. Everyone else sucks, and Houston should not have got in. It should have <laughs> been Memphis. Yeah. All right. That I that I agree with. Moo, bigger needs, TV market though. Moo needs. Daddy daughter time, so we got to wrap this up here. Hey, one week away, less than a week away from basketball season starting, <sighs> November seventh, hosting UNC Asheville. I think the season tickets are still on sale. Might as well get in now because uh, next year when we go to the Big Twelve, it's probably going to be a lot more expensive. But at least you'll have your uh, your seat, and yeah. we got some incredible home games this year. Uh, Miami comes to town, Florida State comes to town, Okie State comes to town, um, Missouri. So a lot of good home games this year, and the Americans should be strong again. Yeah, hopefully we've got a bounce-back season after what was kind of a letdown year. But, uh, hey, hopefully we'll have some basketball to talk about on the show. All right, sounds good. Uh, Are you going to the game this week? No, no. In Memphis. Dude, I'm getting my wisdom teeth pulled on Thursday, so I don't even know. Um, can, like, can I podcast? Ouch. Maybe. Yeah, Pick I don't know. Cotton balls in your mouth or something. We'll just we'll 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 have to play it by ear, but I'll I'll be I guess out for a couple days. Um, so that means I probably won't be getting first watch this weekend. But they just released their new holiday menu, and I had the. Oh yeah! Oh man. Barbecue. So I went last week and I got, uh, not to cut you off, but I went last week. It must have been the last week of the fall menu because I got a pumpkin pancake and it was bigger than my head <laughs> and it was delicious. And you got a big, you got a big old head. I remember that fit, like fitted caps are like an eight or something. Oh wait, no, that was Higgins, but either way. <laughs> um, no, I had the barbacoa breakfast burrito, which I think they used to have, or maybe they just changed around a little bit, but the highlight of the menu, in my opinion, gingerbread spiced donuts. Just little balls of heaven. Um, very, very good. So, as always, go to First Watch, the official breakfast and lunch sponsor of One Night Stand. Thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And we will talk to you guys next week before the Tulane game. Go Knights. Charge on. Dude, what a, what a crisp ending. <sighs> Had to be crisp. Yeah.
Combination. 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 Combination.